the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. There's a season where our church might line up with with one of the churches, and then in a different season, our church might line up more closely with a different church of the seven that are listed here. These letters also apply to the individual Christian, to the individual believer. We, We can apply these letters to our personal relationship with the Lord and kind of assess where we are spiritually, what we're getting right, what we need to repent of. The letters to the seven churches were not just written to those specific churches during that time period, but they are also being written to you as an individual. The commendations and rebukes mentioned throughout these letters can also be applied to you personally and specifically. Today, Pastor Dan will be encouraging you to take personal inventory as you study the letters to these churches and see if there's anything you should be encouraged by or even repent of. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Revelation chapter 2, as we continue our journey verse by verse through the New Testament. Revelation chapter 2, we're also going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, anybody got ears here today? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Well, chapter 2 begins the second section of the book of Revelation. Um, If you were with us in our previous studies, you remember in chapter 1, verse 19, that verse 19 gives us the outline to the book of Revelation. If you look back in chapter 1, verse 19, write the things which you have seen, 
and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. So the book of Revelation has three divisions to it. Chapter 1 contains the things which John had seen. Chapters 2 and 3, the things which are. And then chapter 4 to the end of the book, the things which will take place after this. And so chapter 2 and chapter 3, we have the, the letters to the seven churches. John was commanded by Jesus Christ to write down the things that he sees in a book and send them to the seven churches which are in Asia. And those seven churches are listed for us in chapter 1, verse 11. The church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamos, the church in Thyatira, the church in Sardis, the church in Philadelphia, and then finally the church in Laodicea. And these were, were seven churches that were in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, And these were not the only seven churches in Asia Minor. There were other churches in that area, in that region. Uh, The Church of Colossae, for example. We have the letter called Colossians. It's written to the church in Colossae. Uh, Colossae was in Asia Minor. So there are other churches there, but he's to write to these seven churches in particular, these seven, you know, local congregations, just like our congregation here. What Jesus says to these seven churches is really a message to all churches, to every church, in every time, in every location. It applies to all churches everywhere. And these seven letters tell us everything that Jesus wants to communicate to his, his church. He's going to tell us the things that he likes about these seven churches and the things that he doesn't like the things that he wants to change. In these letters, he commends some of the churches and he rebukes some of the churches. He he tells the churches the things that he appreciates about them and then there are other things that he tells them they need to repent of, they need to turn from. And I, I think every church, including this one, at any point in time, corresponds to one of these seven churches. And we can use these letters in chapters 2 and 3 as kind of a grid that we can look at and, and we can see and identify our church, this church, in these letters and, and see what we're doing right and, and what needs to change. And so every church is found in these letters. And churches change over time. Churches have different seasons. And so there, there's a season where our church might line up with, with one of the churches, and then in a different season, our church might line up more closely with a different church of the seven that are listed here. These letters also apply to the individual Christian, to the individual believer. We, we can apply these letters to our personal relationship with the Lord and kind of assess where we are spiritually, what we're getting right, what we need to repent of. And so these letters help us to determine kind of the state of our walk with the Lord, how we're doing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. These seven letters to these seven churches, they they share a similar format in each letter. Each letter has an introduction from Jesus and and a description of Jesus in some way, as we're going to see here in this letter to uh, the church in Ephesus. Each letter has a statement 
from Jesus regarding the condition of that church. Each letter has a verdict from Jesus regarding the condition of that church. Each letter has a command from Jesus to that church. Each letter has an exhortation, really to all Christians. And each letter has a promise of reward for obedience. Five of the seven churches Jesus calls to repent. Five of the seven. In the first letter that we're going to look at today in chapter 2 is written to the church in the city of Ephesus. Now, at the time that John wrote this letter, there was only one church in each of these cities. It's not like today where there's you know, hundreds of churches in a city. There is one church, one, one congregation in the city of Ephesus, and there's one congregation in each of these cities. In churches, don't think of buildings, don't think of you know, bricks and steeples and all of that kind of stuff. Churches in those days met in houses. They met in living rooms. The church is new at this point. It hasn't grown to the point where they have buildings yet. And so, so, so he's writing to the church that is in the city of Ephesus, the, the one church, the one group of believers that is in that city. Now, just to give you some background on the city of Ephesus, I think it's important to help us understand this church that's there. Ephesus was a large city in the Roman Empire. It had a population of about 200,000 people. Uh, It was a port city on the Mediterranean Sea, so it was a commercial center. There was a lot of traffic traveling into that city, a lot of trade taking place in that city. There were people from all over the Mediterranean world passing through that city. So it was an international city, not unlike where we live here in the D.C. area. It was a very wealthy city, very affluent because of all of that trade and commerce passing through that city. It was also a very immoral city, and it had a reputation for its immorality. In the city of Ephesus, there is a large pagan temple to the goddess Diana. The temple was considered one of the wonders of the ancient world. I think it was seven times larger than the Parthenon in Athens. It was huge. And it was the center of the worship of Diana. Diana was a fertility god. She was worshipped by participating in lewd sexual acts. They had prostitutes that worked at the temple. And that was was an act of worship, you know, to buy the services of a prostitute there at the temple. And so people went to that city to engage in immorality. The Apostle Paul, he traveled to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 He stayed there for three years in Ephesus. He stayed in Ephesus longer than any other city that Paul traveled to. And we're told in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says that Paul taught daily there in Ephesus. So he had a Bible study every day in Ephesus. And listen to what it says. All who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. All who dwelt in that region. So Paul, he has a Bible study every day in the city of Ephesus, and the people that are there are coming, and they're hearing the word of God, and then they're going out about their daily life, going to work, going to the grocery store, doing whatever, traveling about, and as they go out, they're sharing the word with people as they go, to the point that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ spreads through the whole area. That's how it works. That's how it works with a church. 
You guys come here on a Sunday, you come to Bible studies throughout the week, you hear the word, and then, well, not tomorrow because most of you are on furlough, but usually <laughs> tomorrow you'll go to work and, and you know, you'll have an opportunity to share about the Lord, to talk about Jesus. You know, you'll go to the grocery store, you'll go to the gas station or Starbucks or whatever. And just as you go and live your daily life, you talk about the Lord with people. You look for opportunities to share the Lord. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And the word of the Lord spreads. That's what happened in Asia, in that area around Ephesus. And so the Lord established a church there in Ephesus under the Apostle Paul. Later, that same church was led by Timothy. And we have First and Second Timothy in the New Testament. And so that church in Ephesus... It started out as a very strong, very healthy church that impacted its region for Jesus Christ. I mean, the founding pastor was the Apostle Paul. I mean, you can't get much better than that, right? And so it was a very, very dynamic, powerful church. And then we come to Revelation chapter 2. And Revelation chapter 2, the church in Ephesus is now over 30 years old. And so in Acts chapter 19, a church is established there in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. And if you can imagine, if it were a movie, the screen would go black. And then it would say on the screen, 30 years later. And now we come to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. We mentioned this last week, uh, that word angel there, it means messenger, It could refer to a literal angel, an angelic being, or a lot of scholars think it's referring to the pastor of that church who is the messenger, God's messenger to that church who delivered the message from God. There are several occasions in the New Testament where that same word refers to a human messenger, not an angelic messenger. In Mark chapter 1, for example, if you're taking notes, John the Baptist is referred to as the messenger sent from God. And so it can be used to mean a human messenger. Uh, and and I, I think that it's, it's written to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, who will then deliver this message to the congregation there in Ephesus. And in verse 1, Jesus describes himself. He says, these things says he, this is Jesus speaking, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And we saw back in chapter 1, verse 20, that the seven stars are the messengers to each congregation, or the pastors to each congregation. And the seven golden lampstands represent the churches themselves. 
And Jesus here, in his letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus, he, he reminds the believers in Ephesus of something about him that they need to remember. Something about him that they have forgotten over the course of 30 years. They have forgotten that he holds the messenger of their church in his hand, which means the messenger is held in his divine protection and under his authority. And that church has forgotten that. And that's why they need to be reminded of that. If you uh, have read 1 Timothy, then you know that Paul writes to Timothy, as Timothy is the pastor of that church in Ephesus, and he writes to Timothy and urges Timothy to stay in Ephesus. And the reason he urges Timothy to stay in Ephesus is because Timothy is thinking about quitting and leaving because the people in the congregation there are coming against him. And, and he's, you know, he's done and he wants to leave. Uh, Paul will write to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, let no one despise you because of your youth or look down upon you. There were people in the congregation that were looking down upon Timothy because he was young. Paul even names some by name in that letter. And so the the church there in in Ephesus, the congregation there in Ephesus, they need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ holds the messenger of that church in his hand, that that messenger is under his authority. They've forgotten that. Now, let me just say to those of you that are visiting today that that's not happening in this church You know, sometimes you go to a church and you hear something like that and you kind of sit there and think, I wonder if that's happening and that's why the pastor is saying this. He's like kind of correcting the congregation. No, it's not happening here at all. But it was happening there. And they needed to be reminded of that. They also needed to be reminded that Jesus walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. That Jesus is walking in the midst of their church. You know, Jesus is in the midst of our church here today. Wherever two or three are gathered... In his name, he says, I'll I'll be there. I'm in the midst of them. And he walks in the midst of his church. And he's in the midst of this sanctuary. He's in the midst of the children's ministry down the hall, walking among those classes down there. He's in the midst of our fellowship and conversation out in the lobby, before the service and after the service. He's here. He's in our midst. He's, He's among us. He's everywhere in his church. And when it says here that he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, that word walks there, it means to walk judiciously. To walk judiciously. He's not just walking around the church, hanging out, drinking coffee. He's walking around his church, observing what we do here and judging it. Now, we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. We claim to be all about Jesus. We claim to, uh, we claim to love Jesus. We claim the name of Jesus. We claim to be about him and about his business. And so what Jesus does is Jesus comes into his church and he walks around and he inspects what we're doing in his name and he assesses whether we were about him or not about him. That's what he does in every church. So they need to be reminded of that. They need to be reminded 
that Jesus is in their midst. And the reason they need to be reminded of that is because they have forgotten that Jesus is in their midst. They are 30 years down the road. They are 30 years down the road, and they have all kinds of activities happening in this church, all kinds of ministry happening in this church, all kinds of you know, action happening in this church, and, and things are humming along like a machine. But they have forgotten Jesus. And they're doing it all in his name. But they have forgotten Jesus. They have forgotten that Jesus is in their midst. In verse 2, Jesus begins to commend this church for what they're doing well. He says, look at verse 2, I know your works. He says that to each of the seven churches. I, I know your works. I know, I know what you're doing. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. He says in verse two, that word labor there, it means intense labor. It means to labor to the point of exhaustion. This church in Ephesus, it was a hardworking church. It was a hardworking church. Jesus commends them for, for uh, all of their hard work for his name's sake. They had a lot of activities going on, a lot of ministry happening. It was a busy church, and Jesus commends them for their hard work on his behalf. And he commends them for their patience in verse 2. Their patience. That word patience there, it means steadfastness. Steadfastness. That's a great word to hear for a church that's 30 years old. That they have been steadfast. That they have been firm in their convictions that they have been faithful, they've been fixed in their direction, they've been unwavering. You know, there, there's, no, there's no compromise in this church. Just, it's just a consistent church through all of those years. And Jesus appreciates that about them. You know, my, my kids uh, take piano lessons, and they had their annual recital yesterday, and they hold the recital at this historic church in the area. It's very old, just like 150 years old or something like that. It, it, it has become a very liberal church. Very liberal. But every year when we go there, I, I have this uh, habit of in, in the hallway on the way to the bathroom, they have photos of every pastor that has ever served that church, going back to the 1800s. And of those pastors that are on there, there's one that I'm familiar with only because he wrote a commentary on the whole Old Testament that I used to have a copy of. And he was once the pastor of that church. You know, almost 100 years ago, he was the pastor of that church. But I know that guy, that guy was faithful to the Word of God 100 years ago. I don't know about any of the other pastors before him or after him. I know what they have now is very liberal, but I know at one point in their history, they were faithful. They were steadfast to the word. They're not anymore. But here for this church in Ephesus to be 30 years into this thing, and Jesus says of them, I'm pleased that you've been steadfast. I appreciate that, that you have stayed the course, that you haven't wavered, that you haven't gone astray in any way. 
You're patient. He says, and he commends them that they cannot bear those who are evil. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you'd like to hear this message in the book of Revelation again, feel free to find it at calvaryec.com. Simply look under the media tab. There are a variety of messages from this series and other series as well. As you browse our website, you'll get a better understanding of the church that supports this radio ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. In fact, If you're in the area and would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings in person, come join us this weekend. Our website has all the information you need as far as directions to our location and service times. We'd be so happy to connect with you and hear what you've learned from listening to Ring of Truth. If you'd rather get some information over the phone, we can do that too. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number, once again, is 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you listen to these messages from the book of Revelation. Pastor Dan will continue teaching through the book of Revelation next time, so don't miss a single edition as he explores this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so glad you took the time to tune in to today's message, and we hope you'll continue to be a part of our listening audience. We'll catch you next time, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.